¿Qué onda mi gente? Bienvenidos. Welcome to another multicultural discussion on LinkedIn Live. I'm so excited about today's session, which is about elevating the value of culture to build a brand with bold intention. I feel my guest speaker today needs no introduction. <laughs> But before we get into our discussion, let me introduce myself to everyone watching live and any future viewers watching later. Mi nombre es Jonathan Tarin. I'm your host for today's multicultural discussion. I'm a Mexican-born, Texas-raised advertising executive and founder of El Brightside, a brand platform driven by the joys of culture specializing in two things. First, we're dedicated to creating and sharing stories of the multicultural human experience. And second, we provide creative and social media strategy, brand communications, and campaign management consulting services. I invite you all to please connect with me on LinkedIn or go to my website at brightside.com to learn more about how we are helping ignite business through human connection. One of my focuses during these multicultural discussions with C-level executives and founders is to dig into what makes them human professionals. And in good old Jonathan fashion, I mine for El Brightside by centering culture into the conversation and allowing my guests to share their cultural experiences and perspectives intentionally. Yes, here on LinkedIn, where I believe culturally nuanced conversations should be taking place todos los días, every day. With today's guest, I am certain this will flow naturally. <laughs> and it is why I'm so excited to get to speak and learn from her today. Sandra Velasquez is the founder of Nopalera, an award-winning Mexican botanical bath and body brand powered by Mexico's Nopal Cactus. And she is based in New York City. Currently, you can find Nopalera products in Nordstrom, Credo Beauty, Free People, and over 300 independent boutique retail locations across the country. Her distribution is on point and it continues to grow. Prior to launching Nopalera, Sandra toured internationally as the leader of the Latin alternative band Pistolera, which has released three studio albums and whose music has been featured on shows like Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy, and even NPR's Tiny Desk concert series. She has been a sales manager for different CPG brands across categories. She was on season 14 of Shark Tank, donde les dijo no a los tiburones. She said no to the offers of the sharks <laughs> because she went in fully understanding her brand's value and her self-worth. She hosts the Nopalera podcast where she chronicles her experiences building this brand from the bottom. She's a mentor to emerging CPG brands, entrepreneurs, and founders of our community. I want to welcome Sandra Lilia Velasquez. Hola. hola, hola. <laughs> wow, thank you so much. That was an amazing, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was like, wait, did I just sound like my mother, Sandra Lilia Velasquez? And I'm like, It's oh. perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> It's a beautiful name, by the way. Thank you. All right, so just a... Uh, quick reminder for everyone tuning in. I want to share like an overview of what to expect. This is all about having a culturally centered discussion. We're going to talk business, entrepreneurship. We're definitely going to dig into the marketing and advertising of building this brand from scratch. 
And then finally, we'll also um, get to hear all the great things Nopalera has in store this fall uh, during Hispanic Heritage Month and even going into 2024. Um, also, as a reminder, I do dedicate five to 10 minutes at the end of the session for Q&A. So please share, like, comment, and engage with questions that you'd like me to ask Sandra towards the end of our discussion. Okay, orale pues. Creo que ya estamos listos. Are you ready? I am. I'm ready. (laughs) All right. Well, Sandra, I always start with two questions. Where did you grow up? And what is your favorite childhood memory? I grew up in San Diego, California. So about 10 minutes from the border. And it's a great place. If anyone has, has ever been to San Diego, you know, perfect weather year round, plenty of delicious Mexican food, plenty of cultura. Um, and my favorite childhood memory, I mean, I have so many, but I would say that I used to, uh, in the house that I grew up in, which is in North Park, which is a neighborhood in San Diego, uh, the house had like a kind of like a basement and I would, uh, it wasn't like a real basement, but it was, it was enough that a small child could go under there and, you know, create new realities. And I think, you know, when you're that young and you're just able to, you're just free, you know, you're just imagining, you know, new realities. And I just, I just created a bunch of worlds in there. And I'm sure going back, it's like, it was like a dirt patch, but back then it felt like this, you know, massive, massive space. That's so awesome. Yeah. We were just talking behind the scenes about, uh, you know, being in high school and I shared with you how that was, even though it was tough moments in my life, I was so happy and joyous and naiveness was what kind of helped me have that world perspective so I love that you share you know we all had our little space where we created this these type of worlds that's 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 really really cool well thank you for sharing that like I've always believed that our childhood experiences and upbringing really influence of course our values and our beliefs but sometimes they even influence our career choices as adults sometimes we may know about that and we may not Maybe it's deep in there, but do you think your upbringing and the people you had around in your childhood has influenced your career choices? Uh, Yes, 100%, but not in the way that I thought they would. Um, So the example is that I, because my, you know, my mother came to this country when she was an adult, she was already in her twenties when she got here from Mexico. And so she never had, you know, her growing up, she never had, you know, ballet lessons or piano lessons or anything like she came from poverty. Um, And so she really wanted to give that to us, to me and my sister. So I was forced to take piano lessons from a young age and I hated it. Right. I had to do recitals. I wore like the itchy tights and the dresses and all of that. And eventually, though, because I got good at playing the piano or good enough, it's what I used to audition for music school, which is where I went as an adult, I went to Cal Arts in Los Angeles and then I became a musician, you know? And so, yes, right. Like I was forced to, to learn that instrument. I eventually, you know, after complaining, I was like, I want to learn guitar. I want to play rock and roll. They let me quit piano and, and pick up the electric guitar. But when it came time to audition for music school, piano was a thing that I was best at. And then that became my whole career was, you know, being a musician. I became the leader of a band, as you mentioned. So 
Yes. Um, and then that coupled with the fact that my parents are also very just proud of their culture. And so I feel, feel very fortunate to have been raised in a household where, as I like to say, everyone had their fist in the air. Um, everyone was, you know, and my mother is also a human rights activist. She's an immigration lawyer now, you know, and so, and my father is a painter. So he was always used, uh, you know, painting as his expression to tell stories and also celebrated the culture through his work. So it was a very like cultural celebratory household. Looking back, of course, at the time, it's just normal because you don't know anything else besides what is your house. Um, and all of those things influence exactly what I'm doing today. I mean, here I am with a culture forward brand, you know, being outspoken about it. And that has a, that's a complete result, direct result of the, how, you know, who I came from and, and how I was raised. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. Yeah, a, a lot of, you know, I, I feel the same way. My father, you know, he was one of nine. And he's the only one in his family that, um, you know, finished school. He's the one that stayed behind. Everybody immigrated to the States. And he finished school in, in Mexico. You know, he's the only one that got a bachelor's degree. So the foundation of education was always just so instilled in us. And it was just something that, and you know, I, I didn't really love school, <laughs> but, you know, it was just something that me ponía las pilas because, mm -hmm. you know, I know my dad expected it. <laughs> so digging a little bit deep into that cultural aspect, you know, within our community here in the U.S., there's been a lot of discourse, let's just call it that, <laughs> around the way we identify ourselves as groups of people, right? And the truth is, you know, we're not a monolithic group. So there's a lot of mixed and strong opinions about how being grouped uh, and labeled, mm -hmm. you know, how, how that should be. Mm -hmm. How do you identify and mm -hmm. how is that identity applied to your business in Opalera? Yes, I a great question. I identify as Chicana because I grew up at the border. So this whole like, you know, one foot here, one foot there and growing up speaking both languages, you know, I'm in the house and there's cumbia. I go outside and there's Led Zeppelin, you know, this constant just bicultural reality is is what I know. And it's something that's very specific, I think, to also living, you know, in a border town um, where there's a lot of people like me. There's a lot of there's Chicano culture is is huge in Southern California, you know, and you go into other places of the country. It, it doesn't it doesn't exist. I mean, I have been living in New York for 24 years and there's no Chicano culture here in New York, you know, because the Mexicanos that live here came from Mexico and they're here. So they haven't been here long enough to have children who are my age who have grown up with like both cultures. Do you know what I mean? And so, but in California, it's or in Texas, it's much more established that you have Mexican Americans, Chicano culture. We have Chicano Park in San Diego, you know. So this whole thing of even how we were speaking earlier today, we're going back and forth between English and Spanish, you know, and just that's that's how we existed. So for me, I have always identified as Chicana. I'm also I'm also very proud of that, you know. Um, and I think to your point it gets complicated because here in the United States, when I was growing up in San Diego, everyone just referred to me as Mexican. But then if you go to Mexico, they're like, but you're American. <laughs> so, so, you know, we solve that by just saying I'm Mexican American or I'm Chicana. Uh, but it is, it is complicated, right? Because it's somehow you're never enough wherever you go. Right. Yeah. We're, we're like carving our own way. And then there's these other 
new terms that, you know, I have a lot of respect for, of course, but, you know, I think it, this is very subjective, but I think that blossoms from our desire to be seen. Yeah. You know, like, no, I don't, I, I didn't grow up that way or no, I'm not Mexican. I'm, I'm Boricua, you know, I'm, yeah. you know, like yeah. there's so much there. Right. But um, that's, that's, that's true. And then I, obviously I, now that you say, you know, uh, that you identify as Chicana, do, what elements of that identity do you think are, are within Nopalera? Like all of it, like it is fully, I mean, we even updated the website to say that Nopalera is a Chicana owned brand. You know, it is, it, it is very much from this perspective of being who I am in this country. And so even just having the brand Nopalera, I mean, honestly, this is how I founded Pistolera because it was the same concept of like, where, where all the, the brand, the bands, you know, singing in Spanish here in the, in this country, you know, celebrating the culture, those speaking to those of us that are here. And so Nopalera, you know, if, if I think it's interesting that this brand exists here in the United States and not in Mexico. And when I talk to other beauty founders in Mexico, they are, not all of them are, are even in Spanish, which I think is again, interesting because it's all about context, right? It's like here in this context, we're here trying to celebrate who we are in this context of this country, you know, um, and it makes a lot of sense here. And it, 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 it resonates differently if you take it outside of this context, you know, 100%. No, I love that you said that because it's applicable to the things that we do within the advertising industry too. You know, we have strong uh, brands that come from different parts of Latin America, uh, expanding market here in the U.S. Thinking, oh, I, there's tons of Mexicans, you know, yeah. nearly 60%, like yeah. if it's a Mexican brand, for example, yeah. and think they got it in the bag. No, mm -mm. no, no, no. And so I, I like context. Yeah. Perfectly put. So, um, all right. So now I want to get more into, you know, the kind of like the hero of your product, right? Like the use of herbs and plants in Mexican culture and really throughout the world to like help cure, heal, like we even cook and even use for like beauty mm -hmm. to help with skin, hair, nails, et cetera. Like sometimes in, in, in context, it, that can be very nuanced, right? Like I grew up with my mom boiling manzanilla, mm -hmm. um, like chamomile, I think, mm -hmm. yeah. for to cure my eye allergies. I'm like, ah, que me estás poniendo, you know, but like, or, or cutting savila, aloe yeah. vera to, for yeah. cuts. And so like, what are the specific natural benefits of mm -hmm. the nopal? Yeah. And why, like, why does it make sense to use in a beauty product? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's so funny because like you mentioned aloe vera, right? Sabila. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows aloe vera. Like it's ubiquitous. You know, you can go to the store, you can buy aloe vera juice, aloe vera soap, aloe vera after sun care, whatever. But the nopal is infinitely more regenerative. So, you know, you've, you've seen a nopal, right? You cut, you cut a penca off. And a new one grows back in a couple of weeks. It's like those like those like lizards or whatever, right? Where you cut off the tail and a new one grows back, keeps growing back, keeps growing back. Aloe vera does not do that. Like you cut off a, you know, like a, you know, a piece of an aloe vera plant and you just have a nub that just stays there. With nopal, like my parents have this, this old beat up nopalera in their front yard, which is the first one I used when I was actually formulating the products. They just keep cutting from the same little 
node on the side and they keep, you know, they eat, they take off the espinas, they eat them and then new one keeps growing back. Like it just keeps regenerating. And so from a sustainability standpoint, like tell me another plant that can do that, that you can also live off of that you can eat. So the nopal for the same reasons that it's amazing for you to eat, because you already know it's good for your health, right? It's amazing, you know, antioxidants, vitamins and minerals. It's great for digestion. It's low glycemic. You know, nopales are great to consume as a food source. For the same reason, they have all these properties that you can also, you know, use to cleanse your skin and hair. So similar to how you, oh, you know, use an aloe vera leaf to like rub on your skin, you know, it has like la, la baba. Mm -hmm. The nopal has the same thing. It just has espinas that you have to take off, obviously. Um, and then not to mention the nopal also has the prickly pear, or we call la tuna, which is the prickly pear fruit. And that, but, which, by the way, I'm sorry. Like when I first heard prickly pear here, I was like, "That sounds dangerous." Una pera con picos, like <laughs> what in the world? I had no idea what prickly pear was, and here I am, oh like my God. Mexican AF. And and then, I, and then and then there, someone was like, "It's not tuna," way. and I'm like, "Oh, what? Why don't they call it that?" It's like because in English, tuna is different. I'm like, "Oh, okay, I get the it." Tuna fish. <laughs> Listen, can I tell you? And I've tried to explain this to to like retailers, right? Because when I say nopal, they're like, "What?" Or when I say, you know, aceite de nopal or nopal oil, they're like, "What?" And then I'm like, "The prickly pear." They're like, "Oh, the prickly pear." <laughs> Like, again, I was just telling my someone else this uh, yesterday, like my sister's in her 40s. And I told her, I was like, yeah, so did you know that the nopal is called a prickly pear cactus? She was like, what is that? What? <laughs> like she had never heard the, that word in her life, you know, because no, I, I keep trying to tell people like Latinos do not call it that. We don't call yeah. it the prickly pear cactus. Like to your point, that sounds hella dangerous. <laughs> it does. I, could, I also, mean, you know, I. Yeah. I was just like, wow, but know. you know, my mind was blown, but then, you know, <laughs> you, 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 you realize what it is and, yeah. and how it goes, but yeah, yeah, it's the, <laughs> that's too funny, but so you were talking about the, the benefits, the, the benefits right? Yeah. So. so just high, you know, so I, the, I brought up the tuna because the prickly pear, like, so the penca, what, what's called the penca, which is like the pad, like the green pad, that's the part that we eat. Right. And then there's the tuna, which is the fruit. They have different benefits and properties. So the what we call prickly pear oil or aceite de nopal, you know, uh, that comes from the seeds of the tuna, of the fruit. That's where it comes from. When we, when we talk about prickly pear oil, which is very highly prized in the beauty industry, we're not the first people to use it. Lots of people have been using prickly pear oil. It's very popular in Morocco as well. High in vitamin E, antioxidants, amazing for skin, really used for, for skin care because that's like how precious it is. So we put it in a body product, which is new. Um, so that's the tuna. That's one part of that we use. And then there's the penca, which is like, you know, has like la baba, which is great for, you know, soothing the skin, cleansing the skin, hydrating the skin. And also we use the penca when it's dried up, the fibers, like in our cactus flower exfoliant. So that helps to exfoliate the skin and also in our cactus soaps. So our cactus soaps have a little bit of a texture and that's like the cactus fibers. Um, that are exfoliating your skin. So there's different properties. It's not just like one benefit. Right. No, that's beautiful. And that's wonderful. Like, uh, and I'm glad I asked that question because, well, you know it best, right? <laughs> but like, so you, you mentioned just earlier that you've gone, I guess, uh, assuming here when you're pitching Nopalera or trying to gain distribution or whatever uh, in business, people are like, what? Nopal? What's that? So I want to, this, this is a very common question. I know you've answered it a million times, but just for those in our LinkedIn network that may not 
be familiarized with your full story. Can, yeah. can you share the reason why you started Nopalera, but then also the long-term vision that you have for this brand? Yes. So I think I, the answer is the same for both of those questions. The vision and the intention, the reason for being of Nopalera is to make Latina aspirational and to disrupt the historically Eurocentric beauty space, which has always uh, taught us to aspire to French and Italian and Western European brands. And so it's really about changing the cultural landscape about how people view our, the value of our goods and therefore also us as a community of people. So that when you think Latino, you don't think, oh, cheap, you know, a, a value, right? Like everything Latino has to be a value. It has to be a quote unquote affordable, which is a very subjective term versus thinking, oh, Latino culture, ancient, elevated, beautiful, worthy of higher, of the same price tags as other beautiful works of art, you know? And so that's really the whole mission. That's what I'm driven by, right? Because there's lots of beauty products in the market, Jonathan, like you can, Find a body wash anywhere and wash your body, right? Mm -hmm. But what we're inviting people into is an experience, right? We're inviting people into an experience of bold Mexican energy and into a universe that also taps into, that reminds them of their own self-worth. Yes. And so in a brand, as you know, I mean, you work in, mar you know, you work in marketing, so you know, a brand is a feeling. It is an experience. The majority of people, you know, shop based off of emotion. They're not shopping just because something you know, checks off the boxes of nutrition or, you know, like you bought your shirt because you like how it looks because it fits your personality, right? Or your glasses, right? Not just because like, oh yeah, these work, you know, exactly. it's not just, it's not just like, oh, is this meal nutritious? It's like, do I like the experience of this restaurant? Do I feel like I'm experiencing something? Because that's ultimately what we take away as humans is experiences and the feelings and, and how things make us feel. Yes. No, and I love you talk about the 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 luxurious, the worthiness, the honor of, involved in the cultural aspect. And it's even more beautiful when we as Latinos or, you know, however it is that one identifies themselves are at retail or online and we have money to spend. Right. <laughs> like, first of all, that's a misconception that we have to be a value that we're not shopping Chanel's or Louis <laughs> Vuitton's. Right. All day. Right. <laughs> But then you, you, you're in a space where because Italian and French names are just so common there. And then all of a sudden, boom, no palera. <laughs> you know, when you talk about emotion and branding, that is also a disruption. People are in the mindset of, hey, I need a body wash. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's just a need. Right. Mm -hmm. But then, boom, you find a brand that's speaking to you differently. And so that's so powerful. And I wish more brands knew that. Um, and I think they do some, you know, but I don't think they really play in the space as much as they should. So I love that you're speaking to that and that that is what Nopalera really is all about, you know, because, um, you know, one of the things that I really love about you as just in doing my research of you, right, and Nopalera is that you are owning and honoring your cultural heritage in the business that you're building. Because uh, we've, we've all seen how culture can sometimes be gentrified, right? Mm -hmm. By other mm -hmm. business folks that are just purely focused on the business of culture. Not the meaning and significance it has to the people it represents. So my question, are there things that you do to keep yourself grounded 
in that as your business continues to grow, like your life has been changing these past three, four years. Mm -hmm. How do you keep yourself grounded in that? Why? I think it's because it's been the why from the beginning. It, it was, it's the intention, you know, it's, it hasn't shifted, you know? So even though we've taken new photographs or we've released new products or, you know, we've actually just underwent a whole like brand strategy kind of repositioning for global expansion, like the mission, the North star never changes, right? It's always about like, and, and the thing with the North star is like, you never get there. It's, <laughs> it's what you're aiming for, right? You never, it's, you don't arrive, right? It's like, it's the, it's the direction that you're going. And so we have internal markers that we're like, if, if this is not, you know, somehow empowering, inspiring people to stand in their worth, celebrating, elevating the culture, then it's not, it's not Opaleta, right? So we, I think it's really important to have a strong brand DNA. You know who you are, why you exist, what the North Star is. And then honestly, it makes decisions a lot easier because we can just be like, no, 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 you know, and that means some, some no to retailers, right? Like, no, that retailer is not, is not good enough, you know? Um, so it, it really helps to just have clarity on the why you exist. I mean, I know it's, you know, this because you work in marketing, but the why, you know, what is the real why? And always just move in that direction. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people that in this business and marketing advertising that oftentimes forget that why they forget that North star and, mm -hmm. and, and what you just said, man, it just, it, it, it made my heart heal because, <laughs> you know, the idea of being a visionary of having a vision and is one that you can see, but it feels so out of reach. It, it actually is out of reach. But yeah. That's what keeps you yeah. going. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so it, that's that's where purpose comes into play. And so I, I love that you said that and expressed that. So, And I mean, I, I want to add to that because I think that I am reminded of our why every time someone comes and complains about like our, our products being too expensive. I'm like, until the day that people stop saying that we have not achieved what we're, what, you know, we haven't reached the North Star, which is for everyone to understand that the value of Latino goods are equal to that of any other culture right mm -hmm. and so that you those comments used to bother me in the beginning and now i just take them as a sign of we're doing what we're supposed to be doing because the people assuming that just because it's latina it should be five dollars is is no is a it's a no for me <laughs> the big so, x no of course a, yeah so until people stop even thinking that way which again it's not going to happen in our lifetime right so this is where i'm saying the north star you never get there but it's what you're reaching towards. And so we continue to do that. And doesn't mean that it's easy. doesn't mean that there's not roadblocks. It doesn't mean that there's not haters because all of those things are true, are true and happening and very much present right now. Right. But, but that is ultimately how you make change. You know, somebody has to say like, it's called Nopalera. It's in Spanish. Learn, learn, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Aprenda, yes. you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and again, here, in this country, I go everywhere and there's things in French, right? Like all the big beauty brands, you know, Lositan. Mm. I guarantee you most Americans don't even know how to say that word. Yeah. And somehow they're being just as they're, they're doing just fine. They're successful. They have, you know what I mean? And, and so again, we are, as you know, like we're the largest growing community in this country. Why are there not more options, mm -hmm. you know, that are like, that are based in our culture, right? Because again, there can be, for me, it's all about the options. It's about the breadth of Latino goods in the marketplace. There can absolutely be a Latina soap for $5 on Etsy. There's nothing sure. wrong with that. 
And they're right. gonna also be a twenty dollar soap, you know, at Bloomingdale's, and both can exist just because, just like both exist for American culture. Exactly, exactly. No, no, love it. I mean, just I don't know who would say your stuff is too expensive. Like, oh, how about that? Like, you know, I'm gonna send them to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, pues yo también poo poo real quick because you know we are spending money out there. I mean, if you could say Louis Vuitton, I, I first saw that I was like Louis Vuitton. He says, you know, like come on, you know, you you are you you're trying to establish this. I love what you posted. I think yesterday or this morning, yeah. a legacy brand yeah. here, yeah. right? Legacy is, is that. So, um, so I want to get into uh, an experience that you had. I believe last year you were on Shark Tank, right? Um, I won't engage too much on that, but I, I just want to highlight two specific moments that stood out to me, right? Yeah. Um, you went in there asking for three hundred thousand for five percent equity, <laughs> like just straight up six million dollar valuation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You went in there like yeah. with that single digit equity pitch. And so when I was watching it, I remember I was like, oh, this was going to be good because like I love the show. I've been watching it since like season one. Right. Mm. And I was like, I know Torsen Los Ojos with single digit equity. Right. But you did accomplish one of the missions of being in the tank, and that's to get offers. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, you get one asking for 25 percent equity. Mm -hmm. Then you get another one asking for 30 percent equity. Can you talk to us about that specific moment, like real time? I know for a viewer it's different, but what goes through your head? Like, are you having to think really fast? Yeah. Did you immediately? <laughs> did you immediately say? Did you immediately like? No, it was like hell no, no. Um, you don't. So there's things you know about Shark Tank that um, are memorized, which is like your opening pitch, right? But what happens in the tank is happening in real time. Like there's it, that's not scripted. So you don't know how the sharks are going to react to you. They have not, not been briefed on you. So that part is all really happening. So that's the nerve wracking part of it because you don't know what is going to happen. <laughs> right. You're like, I don't know what they're going to say. Um, and when I got the counter offer for 30 percent, I was like, oh, God, OK, we're really like we're not even close. Like we're like over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and so I just, first of all, I could honestly hear my lawyer in my head going like, I will kill you if you give up 30% of your company. <laughs> uh, but, but I, I just knew like I had a ceiling, you know, and, and when they started way so far on the other side of the spectrum, I was like, oh man, this is going to be, it's going to be tough for like us to inch towards each other. Right. And so I just... Yeah, I just, you know, heard not just my lawyer, but as you know, as I said on Shark Tank, I heard like all of my grandparents and my parents just like, you know, there's more like there's yeah. more like this is not it, you know, and that's it's scary uh, to turn down $300,000. Who doesn't need $300,000 for the business? But if you feel strongly in your gut that there is more. Uh, then you you have to hold out for that, right? It's kind of like you don't just get married because someone asked you for the first time. If it's not right, it's not right. <laughs> right. No, no, I love that. And, and, and the reason why I wanted to ask that is because I feel sometimes us Latinos, you know, we're out here building. We've been building for generations and for, very, for a very long time. And, you know, when we get to this point of opportunity where something's presented to us, you know, we can doubt ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like, man, I've worked so hard this could be an opportunity of a lifetime. If I say no, like, 
am I ruining my life? Am I ruining my opportunity? So I, that's why I asked that mm-hmm. question. If, if you had self doubt at that moment, because I think it's heaviness, you mm-hmm. know, it's scary. Yeah. Ab- mm-hmm. So the, the short answer is yes, but it's, but I think it's the belief like two things can exist at the same time. Right. So you can have doubts, but the, the, the gut feeling that there is more on the other side of this experience was stronger than like that doubt and that fear in that moment. Like, am I doing this right? <laughs> there is a there is a the belief right is stronger than the fear got it no i love that that's good i mean and now i want to get into just you as a human being and you get in the shark tank and you get in the beauty industry so like you've had a a non-linear career journey and i want to talk about this specifically on linkedin you know because i think it's really awesome that you carry this experience with you like, and I'm sure being an outsider of the beauty category has been tough for you. Like I'm certain, right. But has, has being an outsider in the beauty industry also helped you in any way? Uh, Yes. I think that, you know, I think it's important to state that Nopaleta was born from a place of panic because when I, I was 43, when I all of a sudden, we talked about this earlier, when I was unemployed for the first time in my adult life, and it forced me to, to think bigger, it forced me to build something bigger, because I was uncomfortable, it was born out of a discomfort phase, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't create Nopaleta because I had all this money lying around. And I was like, Oh, this sounds fun to make a beauty brand. No, I was like, what can I build that's going to be so big and successful and meaningful, that's going to change my future, change my child's life, and be able to make an impact. That's how Nobaleta was born, right? So, so I think your question, tell me your question again. It's like, like, uh, has being an outsider in an industry yeah. that you had no experience helped you in any way? Yeah, because I was, I, I was like ferociously trying to get, like, climb the castle wall. How do I find anything? How do I find ingredients? How do I find manufacturing partners? How do I find, later it became like, how do I find investors? How do I find anything? And I was, because I was driven by, you know, by the mission and by the impact and by changing my own life, right? It, it's, it's really from a place of survival of like, there's no, there's no like plan B here. Like this has to, this has to win. Like, how do we make this win? You know? Right. And so, and I still have that. <laughs> like, yes. Like I'm not just, everyone knows, like, I'm not just chilling over here. Like, woo, we made it. <laughs> No, I, we're still like, how do we make this win? How do we make it win? How do we make it last? How do we make it expand? How do we make it, you know, stay true to our mission, but invite other people in to the experience, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's that, really, yeah. So I think that that's the long answer of like, did it help me? But right. at the same time, it's also hard because a lot of my competitors, I, I mean, it's it's really wild. And I didn't know this when I was first building up Aleta. But a lot of my big competitors are all like Estee Lauder alums. Mm. And so they know like the this, business. They know the business. They have the contacts, you know, and they're like, yeah, I was working at Estee Lauder for 17 years. Then I saw White Space. I decided to go off on my own. Right. That's that's a lot of it's more brands than, you know. And, and I think that um, that creates kind of like an insular thing in the industry, right, where it's like everyone is just in the same circle and like you need people from the outside to disrupt and have a fresh pair of eyes, you know, to create. Right. No, that's a good segue. I think of like how to make it a a product that's for everyone 
sort of, you know, because there's another moment in your Shark Tank experience that stood out, right? Mm. Um, it, it, and, and I want to talk about it because it's a good segue to the branding and marketing questions that I kind of want to engage you with. So I, when you were in the tank, shortly after you finished your pitch, I, I think it was Kevin, he was like, so this product is not just for Latinos, it's for everyone. <laughs> yeah. And then the camera goes to your face and you like lit up and you're like, yes, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, yes. And, and so like one of my strategic beliefs in branding is that nuance is powerful culture is everywhere and humans connect both so like to me nopalera is a product that latinos will naturally gravitate towards just because of everything that you are and that it is but my question is has it been a marketing challenge for you to position a culturally driven or culturally culture forward brand like you call it to people outside of the culture it is driven by yeah, it's a great question. And honestly, um, my goal was never to create a brand so that only Latinas would buy it. It was to make our, our, our culture aspirational so that everyone would buy it. And so I think that that's important because there are people out there that I feel like are, are making products that are like, yes, it's for just, it's, they, like, they just want to keep it small. You know? mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, for me, the point is to like, have everyone be aware of, our, of like, you know, the level of our culture and, and its value and be able to engage in the experience. And so where it came up for me was honestly when I started to raise capital at the end of last year and talking to investors, and their assumption is that, that Nopalera is only for Latinas. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, um, and it's interesting that investors can't kind of had that perspective because our customers are everyone. You know, and we can see it, right? We can see we've we've reached the the white women of Malibu with our product because the perp the like how I approached the branding was always two pronged. I was like, I'm gonna make this high end Latina brand, like like you said, that Latinas are gonna notice and recognize themselves in right away. They're gonna be the early adopters, they're gonna be the base consumer, they're gonna be that first group of people that come to us. But I'm gonna make the brand so irresistibly beautiful that other people that have no idea what Nopalera is or what a Nopal is. <laughs> They're going to want to know because exactly. it's just so beautiful, right? And I think that no one can deny that the brand is beautiful. And ultimately, that's what ultimately is going to unite everyone and rally everyone around it. Obviously, the products have to be good, right? Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart. So yes, the products are efficacious. The products are high quality. I formulated it to meet the Credo Clean standard. But, the, but we, sh we are visual creatures, right? Yes. And so we first shop with our eyes. We have to have a reason to pick it up. And um, so I don't think that the pro to answer your question, the problem has not been trying to reach other customers outside of the Latino community. I really only came up against that wall when I was starting to raise capital. Got it. Yes. No. And that's the reason why I asked, because once you start playing in bigger spaces where people don't understand or see this and they don't they probably butcher your name, they don't understand why, you know, all these things. <laughs> And, and, I, and I say this, it's, it, it, it's really, I love these type of conversations because in advertising, it, we do like, it's all about mainstream, what they call general market, which I don't even know what that means anymore. And then you break it down to appeal to specific cultures yeah. or groups of people. And I'm like, F that, like what, what needs to happen is people need to understand that 
culturally driven brands that are born from cultural nuance and insights, yes, appeal to that base brand, but can also motivate, inspire, and appeal to the masses. It's, it, it's the inverse of what we do. You know, we run into that in this business so much advertising. And it's 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 a really hard battle that check out, you know, I was telling you my ganas, like this, these great, I'm too young for this. Like, you know, but this, these are the things that really light me up. And so I love that you say, say that you're, you're being successful by staying true to yourself in a culturally relevant way. But let's talk about the beauty in your branding, because it's on point. First of all, your copy, the way you express yourself in words, lovely um your color palettes your typography your design the hero can you take us through how you got to all of that like was it crazy for you as you were developing it yeah you know i that part i feel very fortunate um so i when i when i before i became unemployed i was working in cpg and i was working for some brands and and i met uh my designer when I was working for another brand and she, so her name is Abby Haddockin. I have to shout her out. She lives in the, she lives in the Midwest and her, she's just, she's just a phenomenal visual translator, right. And which is really what you want in a, in a designer who's going to work on your brand. Do you want someone to translate your vision into visuals, right? Because the, the visuals need to speak in, in, in first before words start to speak before anyone picks up and reads the copy on the box or goes to your website, like the visuals need to speak. And so uh, when I had the idea for Nopalera, she was the first person that I called. I said, I have this idea. I'm going to build a high end Latina brand that's going to sit on the shelves of Barney's and I want you to design it. <laughs> and so she had just gone out on her own as her own kind of like freelance, not freelance, but she, she left an agency. So she was going out on her own. So I was technically her first client. <laughs> and luckily she also agreed to give me a payment plan because I didn't have any money to remember. I'm unemployed. Remember when I have this big idea, I had student loans, I had a child, right? So I, I asked her for, for a payment plan and thank God she said yes. And what I did was I presented her with a deck of here is the vision of Nopalera, which I recommend to all founders. Like your graphic designer is not, is not the visionary. You are the visionary as like the brand founder. You have to tell people what that vision is so that they can go and translate that in their, in their format. And so I create a whole deck of like, here's what Nopaleta stands for. Here's our core values. Here's our customer. Here are brands that I like. You know, here's what's missing. And she took that and ran with it. And, and a good designer will give you like five different directions. Uh, exactly. they'll not just come back to you with like one, right? Like this one that we see that you can see behind me was actually not my first choice uh, because they're all stellar. All of her, all of her directions were stellar, but I, I ended up just polling some of my friends like, okay, here's, it's down to like these two designs, which one? And everyone chose this one. They're like, of course it's the cactus goddess. Duh. <laughs> um, but so it took a year. It took almost an entire year of like tweaking, right. And like tweaking. And I mean, and Abby's phenomenal. Again, a good designer will tweak and tweak and tweak. I mean, she had like a hundred versions of the cactus goddess. We call her the cactus goddess of her face. I was like, she looks too angry. She looks too happy. She's not dark enough. She's not, you know, her eyebrows are too thin, whatever it is. We need to really capture it because when you do it right, you do it right once. Right. Yeah. No, I love that. And you're right. You know, I think a lot of your artistic background 
because I think you're an artist, really yeah. uh, uh, allowed you to honor the value of doing design the right way. So mm-hmm. just your intuitive uh, approach to being like this with that designer and inspiring her. Yeah. You are the visionary, you know, yes. on point. So yeah. congrats on that. That's really cool that you share that. Thank now, you. I think so we're 15, we have 15 minutes or so. So I do want to kind of give you the time to, because I know y'all have been working so <laughs> hard. Like we talked about this yeah. before going live. Like, I know you're working hard, you and your team. Can you talk to us? You, you recently announced, actually, the upcoming launch of your Dulce de Cuerpo yeah. cactus cream and cactus shower gel yeah. products. FY, like, these names are on point. Okay, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> tell, us, tell us more about the work done for this launch and also yeah. all the events you have planned for this fall. Yes. Yeah, so the first thing is that in order, you know, if you work in product development, you know this, but if you don't, it takes, it takes 16 months minimum to bring a product to market because there's a whole R and D phase. Then there's the, you know, back and forth of samples. Then there's, you know, the design phase and then getting on the production calendar and then all the testing that has to go on with beauty products, right? You can't just like make it, fill it and sell it. You have to, you know, test it with a bottle, test it under duress, test it under heat conditions, you know, all of these, the micro testing, everything, right? So it's a long process that we have been working on this launch at the Dusha de Cuerpo launch since last year. And really what took us the longest was the scent, because this really is uh, a new chapter for Nopaleta. We call it internally, we call it like Nopaleta 2.0. This is where we are starting to now create custom clean fragrances that are part of our brand story you know, so that it, again, it takes you to an experience, right. It, that brings you into the brand because the initial products that you see behind me are all very natural. They're essential oil based because I made those products and that's what I had available to me at the time. So it's like tangerine oil, charcoal, you know, lemongrass, like things that are very, uh, you know, accessible. Mm-hmm. Now we've gone into the world of like clean custom fragrances. And so they're very complex, right? So using copal as the base inspiration for this dulce de cuerpo scent, uh, if you know, I mean, you're familiar with Copal because you're Mexican. So it's, you know, this perfumey, smoky, profound scent, uh, very complex. Um, and then layering other scents on top of that to make this Dulce de Cuerpo scent. So that is what actually took the longest was na- like nailing down the scent. I mean, imagine just like it was like months and months of back and forth of samples. Like, no, it's not quite right. It's too sweet. It's too musky. It's too this. And so that, that right. So Dulce de Cuerpo launches next week on uh, September 20th. At the All same right. time, we are we are supporting it with a pop-up store launch in Los Angeles. Um, so if anyone lives in Los Angeles or knows anyone that lives in Los Angeles, come on by to the Nopaleta store. It is located at 3118 Sunset Boulevard in Silver Lake. Um, really excited. It's actually being painted right now. After, after we finish this live, I'm going to check in with the team. And, um, and we have a bunch of events happening at the store. So those are all going to be listed on our website under the events tab. So you can see we have a bunch of events coming up. We're having a public party on the 23rd. Everyone's invited. We're working on a piñata. <laughs> oh, uh, awesome. I love yeah. piñatas. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then a bunch of activations. We're coming to Texas in uh, next month. So if you live in San Antonio or if you live in Houston, we're coming to you. We're going to be doing some pop-ups at our retail partners. Um, so yeah, everything's going to be on our website because it's just way too much for me to rattle off. No one will remember it here, but 
Yes, and 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 please do visit her website. It's nopalera.co. You can also follow uh, Nopalera on Instagram at nopalera.co there. And if you want to laugh a little bit, we just connected. On, I connected with you on your personal and I saw some of the stuff. You, it made me giggle and laugh. So thank you for the humor. It's official. SLV. Uh, Those are my initials. Yeah. Safe. So, este, all right, well, let me go into, uh, a ver, deja veo, a ver, if, I know there's maybe some shout outs and questions, let's see, let me just look through these. Este, a ver, we're getting some fun here, hola, hola, excited to be here, thank you so much. Mr. Todd Fowler, greetings everyone. And a ver si hay así mismo, not 30%. <laughs> so here's some love on your branding. I've seen on your social channels and even on your LinkedIn that like, um, you know, you get a lot of love for your packaging because it's it's on point. So Thank you. Thank you. We have a great team. Our photographer, shout out to Amanda Lopez. Also has been with me since the beginning. I, I've had the same people with me since day one, which I think says a lot about the power of the brand. Yes. Okay, perfect. And then we'll see you there. I think it's uh, maybe when we were talking about events and stuff. Mm -hmm. But for my people in LA, I know there's um, there's a lot of people in my network that are in California. So please show up and, you know, go support Sandra and Opalera with all the wonderful events that they have going on. Um, you know, I wish I could go and who knows, maybe I'll show up to your Houston and San Antonio ones. Okay. I was going to say, I mean, like, how far are you? Where are you? Go where, where are you? Well, you know, Texas is like, I am massive. <laughs> but you know, I have family everywhere. Like, yeah. True Mexican here. I, you know, West Texas, South Texas. I lived in El Paso. Okay. So I, when you were talking about being a border um, yeah. child and growing up in the border, 100% understand that kind of experience and mm -hmm. essence but like houston's not far from me i have family in houston of course it's the it's like three hours or a little bit over three hours San Antonio, while you know yeah. so definitely will go out there um well i do want to ask there i did have this in my back pocket just as a kind of like a last question because yeah. you know i've been so excited about interviewing you and you know i've been inspired by all the things that you've been doing I think I'm not alone in that, but I feel through your interviews, your brand, and, you know, the research that I've done on you that Sandra Velasquez, she's intentional with what she says and what she does, because you dig deep into the nuances, your culture, and what it means to you and the rest of the world. But I want to ask you, are there any new things that you've learned or discovered about yourself mm -hmm. since launching Nopalera? Woo, that's a whole other podcast episode, Jonathan. <laughs> yes, are you kidding? <laughs> oh my but, god. But you know, you 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 you've shared your journey like an open book, like what you said. And and mm -hmm. I, I'm like, you know, what new things has she discovered about herself? Woo, I mean, I I'm just gonna pick high top level things i think you know in order for me to get to where i am now in order to have raised money i had to i had to go and examine my own money mindset and limiting beliefs about what was possible because when i first set out to raise money 
I set out to raise $250,000. And when I, I, when I pitched to my first investors, one of them asked me, why are you asking for so little? And my response was, well, because I don't want to raise more than I need, right? This mentality of like, you know, don't, don't put more on your plate than you're going to eat or just only take what you need because there's not enough. You know what I mean? Like this kind of like a uh, scarcity mindset, really. And, um, and I had to, so I had to examine my own ceilings. I had like seal, like money ceilings, you know? Uh, so that's something that's a constant work in progress. Honestly, you know, I still, I still catch myself going back to like scarcity sometimes. So I think that understanding that what I learned through the fundraise, I learned a lot through the fundraise. What I learned is that money begets money. Mm. And so if you don't have money, you have to become the money. You have to show up with that abundance and confidence um, as if it's already yours, as if you don't need it. That you know, That's why you can walk away from a shark because you're not terrified that this is going to be the only offer you're ever going to get in your life. And so that takes a lot of mindset training. You know, it's not easy. It's not like a one and done. It's not like, oh, you read this book and you're, and you're, and you're healed. No, it's a constant exercise. It's a constant practice of staying in this uh, new mindset. Um, and so that's something that I've learned. And um, yeah, new, new mindset. I mean, I think that's just, that's a lot to unpack, of course, especially on the money piece that you were talking about that scarcity, you yeah. know, um, because I'm doing a, a small mini series for Hispanic Heritage Month where, because, you know, the beautiful thing about being Latino apart from our languages, it's the spectrum in which we live in. You know, mm -hmm. here we are, we could talk high level. I'm unafraid of talking to any CEO, CMO, whatever, but I'm also talking to, you know, hyper-local leaders that are equally qualified, if not better, uh, but they're doing things that create impact at a hyper local, in a hyper local way. And when we, I talked to some folks in the real estate business and we, we got into the generational wealth piece and it got pretty deep, you know, mm -hmm. and how we come up uh, and how we feel and mm -hmm. believe uh, what we believe about money. Yeah. You know, and I'm it's one of my favorite topics now, honestly, it's one of my favorite topics because I've done so much growing and um, and the only way that things are going to change is if 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 we decide we're going to change the way that we think yeah. it's not, you know, it's um, and that's honestly the biggest thing that you have to conquer if you're going to build a business is if you want to scale a business, you have to scale yourself. You can't mm -hmm. get you don't get to be your old self and then and then scale and, you know, create like a billion dollar business like you have to scale as well. And so that starts with how you think and how you what you think is possible and what you think is a ceiling, what you think is a lot. Um, and and I see it now, for, you know, even hanging out with my family, I see that there is uh, that there's this belief that somehow you, money is just this thing that you need just to like survive. Right. Whereas like uh, I think it was even my sister that asked me, you know, she when I said we were talking about like, you know, Paletta exiting one day or, you know. Uh, and how much that would yield us. And, and, and I think someone asked me like, why would you need, why would you need 10 million? Why, why, why do you need $20 million? Mm -hmm. And, and in that moment, I realized the difference between how people see the, the purpose of money, because to me, when I think of having $20 million, let's say, for example, I don't think of $20 million for me. I think, yes, I'm going to cover my bases, make sure I'm like living well, healthy, everything. But I think of money as this tool to make impact, to drive impact. 
Like imagine what you could do with $20 million for the community. Imagine how many you can go to a school and open brokerage accounts for like, for like fifth graders and what that's going to, how it's going to change the trajectory of their lives. You know, like I think of money as this tool for impact. And so the more money we make, the more impact we can make, the smaller we stay, the more we stay in survival mode. Exactly. And so, and so this whole thing of like, why do you need so much money? You know, it's like, you're not thinking of it because you're thinking of it just for yourself. You're thinking of it like in a selfish sense, like, oh, I'm going to just like keep all the money, right? Which some people do. And that's fine. This is not a judgment. It's just to say that I see this as like the more successful we become, the more money we make, the more that we can go in and create an impact because mm-hmm. us going out of business because we're char- undercharging for our products because we're not making a margin. It does not make the world a better place. Exactly. Boom. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and scaling yourself, that mindset, man, that was so strong. I love that because, you know, as you continue to grow in Opaleta, I'm sure you're also experiencing these new faces in your life and new environments and new people, you know, people yeah. that have to keep you grounded or maybe people that help you scale that mindset. Yeah. Um, and it's probably experiences. I think it's tough for us because you think $20 million is like, but let's say you do get to $20 million, you know, the management of that type of money and the management, like that's, that's something else. Right. And it's something we're not accustomed to. So I'm sure you surround yourself with a circle of human beings. Right. Um, Yeah. Has that changed really fast for you? Yes. Yeah. So I had to go and surround myself with new people that are, have a growth mindset. Um, I like, I can't, spend time with people that, that want to just stay stuck where they are. Right. No, that's true. I love it. All right. Well, I think, um, we're going towards, uh, there's a lot of people here. Agreed. Um, shout out to Luis. Agreed. Mindset is key. Thank you for the realness, Sandra, you know, always keeping it real. Um, so, well, thank you. Uh, oh, here's, uh, uh, Flory, oh yeah, I don't know how to respond in the chat, so I put it here, Jonathan, between us. I don't know if you can mm-hmm. share it. Yes, uh, it's September twenty third from twelve to three at our store at three one one eight Sunset Boulevard. It'll also be on our website, uh, but yeah, we the store opens next Wednesday, <laughs> and then the party's next uh, Saturday. Awesome. Mm-hmm. A la mejor llego a la fiesta. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well. We are ending this multicultural discussion, which I feel can go on for another hour if need be. But Sandra, uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your, I quote, hairy schedule that's mm-hmm. coming up. <laughs> and I really appreciate you um, coming on this platform and sharing your story. You have a lot of people behind you, and I hope that you never forget that. Because we're, we're sharing you on for sure. So, uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. And y'all have a blessed upcoming weekend. Thank you. Adios.